0: Hello. Welcome to the Dear Writer Podcast. I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between.
0: Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back to Dear Writer, everyone. Today we are recording episode 98, and it is another one of our author spotlight series. Um, so we'd like to welcome Stephen J. Colby onto the show, if I said that correctly. I'm really sorry if I didn't.
2: You did. Yep, that's okay. perfect. Oh.
0: That's
2: great. <laughs> Good work,
0: Sarah. Hi, Stephen.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, No worries. So Stephen is a mystery writer based in Kansas and enjoys writing about diverse casts of characters. His Ezra James mystery series follows an FBI agent struggling with bipolar disorder. As a person with bipolar, Stephen uses his writing to advocate for more accurate representation of mental illness in media and to bring hope to those who struggle with bipolar and similar conditions. So welcome to the show, Stephen. I'm really looking forward to having a little bit of a chat about this mystery series. And it sounds like you have some interesting experience to go with it.
2: Perfect. Yeah, thank you.
0: So to begin, we like to get started with a question just about how you first began writing and when you decided to pursue writing more seriously and started thinking about getting your book published?
2: Yeah, so I always liked writing. When I was a kid, it seemed like this magical thing that you could do to convert whatever experiences you're having into letters that somebody could read later. And even though I would misspell almost everything, I just loved that process of writing it all down. And then in second grade, I had a teacher, Mrs. Edgar, and she really encouraged my writing. She had this like writer's stool that you put in front of the classroom. Uh, like everyone would write their activity and they would draw a picture to go along with it. And if you wanted to, you could go sit on the stool and read your writing for everybody and show them your little crayon drawing. So <laughs> <That's> and- cute. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, like, during the writing time, I would just write, like, furiously, like, the entire time. Like, she told my mother, I have never seen a child write that much for every activity. (laughs) Or, you know, a child bold enough to go up and read every single time, even though it was, like, you know, just a transcription of, like, Jurassic Park or, like, Sonic the Hedgehog (laughs) or something. But... That really stuck with me. You know, having a teacher like that can have a profound impact on a person. And um, that was a really big experience for me. In high school, I really enjoyed storytelling. I got really drawn into film. So for a while, I was writing screenplays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I really liked those films that were about writers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah there's always like that profound scene where the writer had, you know, the inspiration for the great novel and they'd like run off and they're typing for like, you know, a week or whatever. (laughs) And they they would always like read it to some group and the group would just be like, Oh my gosh, I, I had no idea that writing could be that good. And then my sophomore year, I read The Great Gatsby, Fitzgerald. That was the first novel where I realized, Oh, writing can be this good. Just the level of the prose can be this beautiful and just, like, knock the wind out of you. Mm -hmm. I think that was the year where I just decided, like, I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. If I can write prose, like, write a story that is this good and this well-written, that could be a lifetime goal. So I blame Gatsby for all that's happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly a um, great writer to look up to, I think.
1: Have you watched the movie Her Alibi at all?
2: No. Oh,
1: it's like a comedy, but it's based on a writer who writes like mystery thrillers and hasn't had like a blockbuster sort of novel for a while and ends up like shacking up with this girl who's on the run and it's like him writing a novel about her so that's like the narration of the story and like how he's translated the like more benign events that have happened into like the extravagant ones in his novel wow, it's really that's hilarious
2: oh, it's a really so good.
1: It's, you'll probably both of you will probably enjoy it yeah you know, I was it made me laugh great. my husband and I were like in tears laughing at something <laughs> because i will be like you know she like pushes him a little bit into the wall and he, he'd be like you know forcefully she threw me
2: against the wall
1: <laughs> i hit my head <laughs> yeah, anyways we can continue well, That's I'd mention it. It's oh pretty funny
2: <laughs> that sounds wonderful What? where do you find that
1: oh i'm not sure where i watch oh i'm not i'm not entirely sure honestly watched it a couple months ago but i'd recommend
0: it if you can find it <laughs> i have to have a look on all the um I've got this app, Just Watch, which kind of shows where everything's streaming and stuff. So maybe I'll have a look on there. <laughs> have a look.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely tell. My wife sort of like is in control of our entertainment life. She like <laughs> reads all the entertainment magazines and like all the blogs and things. She's like, this is the show we're like going to watch. We're going to get this service just for this one show.
0: It's funny how so. like one person in the relationship always kind of takes charge as far as like the TV. <laughs> yeah my my husband does for us. he's like, you haven't watched this yet you need to watch this. I'm like okay, right
2: yeah that helps yeah sure I trust her implicitly <laughs> exactly. we, we watched this show the after Party. Have you all seen that?
1: No
0: no
2: uh, I think it was Apple TV and it's like it's a murder mystery, but it's like told through the interviews of the people and every episode is dedicated to one person. And as they go into their narration of what happened, it's told through a different genre of film. Oh, cool. So there's like an action movie version and there's a romantic comedy version. <laughs> there's like an art film version and it's all the same day. You know, it's the same night, but from all these different people's perspective, it's, it's pretty good.
0: That's awesome. I'm just gonna pull it back a bit. Like I could talk about stuff for ages. <laughs> I was like thinking yes. <laughs> of like other shows, but I'm like, okay, just rein it and Sarah. <laughs> so, how do you juggle writing with your work and your daily life? How does that work for you?
2: Yeah, it's tricky because I do have a full time job, and I do, like I do, editing as a freelance person. So. Oh, cool. Usually over the summer I have some sort of editing project and it's in the educational area.
0: Okay. Right. Yep.
2: This summer I helped uh, this education company take three educational books and turn them into like an online training.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, that can be busy. And then three children, they like want to be fed every day.
0: <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, they it's good to have like in my opinion it's good that there's multiple of them because they can kind of play together yes and then i'm like everybody's happy we'll all go outside and i'll just sit and read or i'll sit and write nice
0: i'm looking forward to that day because <laughs> currently mine's only like four and a half five months so it really is just like feed sleep feed sleep feed sleep yeah, yeah.
2: but she does so I'll sleep look
0: forward to yeah well on me <laughs> <laughs> Currently with with my husband, but <laughs> she's yeah, you know, tricky. at the point where she's like, No, I don't want to sleep in the crib, mom. No. <laughs> Just, yeah, on Just on you.
2: Just on you. Yeah, they do that, that's true. But yeah, nap time is good for that or when they're playing and they're happy. I also have my students read every day. So I have high school students and that's six classes a day of high schoolers. And at the beginning of each class, I say, we're going to read for 10 minutes. Y'all will read, I'll read. So I get a lot of my personal reading time done, uh, which is nice.
1: It's a really <laughs> good way to do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of reading time, like my little alarm goes off and I frequently tell them, guys, you got to get a job where you can read at work and get paid. It's
0: so good. <laughs> this is good advice. It's very good advice.
2: Yeah. So hopefully that shows them like, reading is good I really love love reading if you don't love reading yet you probably just haven't done it enough or found the right books mm-hmm. so it's it's my way to like model it for them
0: nice I like it
1: so I'm a bit curious about your writing process because uh, it said uh, you said that you write mystery thrillers and I know they involve Often a lot of plotting. Yes. Flash. There's a lot of things going on in those novels. So, are you a plotter or a pantser
2: I I am a plotter, and I try to get it figured out as much as possible ahead of time. Like, here's the shape. Here's the inciting incident. Here's the crime, and here's kind of like some of the clues that are being going to be involved. Some of the suspects that are are going to be involved, because it has to like fold back into itself mm-hmm. with mystery writing. But whenever I I sit down and write, I might have an idea of like, this is what needs to happen in the scene. And I say a little prayer at the beginning when I write to try to like just center myself. So some people like meditate or do something. That's my kind of like way of turning it over and saying, I have a plan. But here are these characters that I've created. If they have a better plan, they should do that thing. (laughs) You know, I don't want to force my characters to do stuff. So it lets them kind of think about the situation. And as I'm writing, it's kind of a conversation with me and those characters. Like, Mm -hmm. how are they feeling? How are they going to decide things? Is this going to be out of character? If so, then maybe we'll go in a different direction. So my first book was like written and there were all sorts of problems with it. So I rewrote it and then I replotted it entirely. So I was moving right. scenes all around and realizing, oh, for this to make sense, this other thing has to happen and this person has to be like a character involved. Um, so I did a lot and a lot and a lot of rewriting. For the second book, I plotted it out. I had a good idea of the characters already. And for the most part, you know, there were surprises as I wrote, like new characters, new twists. But for the most part, what I wanted to happen did happen. And right now I'm writing a book that it might be too ambitious or I'm not exactly sure where I want it to go. I know what I want it to be about. And I know the world. Mm-hmm. but it's i kind of just am writing it without plotting it so okay
0: okay so this one's a bit more of a let's see where it ends up kind of thing yeah
2: it's a lot more personal of a book like okay. i would say my first two books were here's a weird crime how would they do it you know
1: right yeah uh, kind of a <laughs> riddle
2: type thing and you're kind of tied like your hands are a little bit tied there like yeah. it has to be logical the solution has to be and also the clues have to be there and they have to add up to the detective figuring it out but yeah. this book I've been working on it for six months and I don't even know who dies
1: oh exciting it's fun for you too
2: yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a mess <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> yeah not stressful at all <laughs>
1: <laughs> how have you been finding that the kind of letting the characters take the wheel a bit more
2: It, it's very frustrating (laughs) because I have my characters and it's becoming a lot more about their experiences because a lot of stuff happened in the first two books. Like I have Ezra and he's got bipolar, but he's in recovery. I have Lucia and we know that she had a traumatic incident, like in her childhood. And we know that her life has been kind of like a struggle in America and then we have Remy, and in the second book, I kind of went into his backstory because he's a French African priest, and like Central Africa, there's been a lot of of conflict and a lot of difficulties. Uh, so we kind of went into that. But as I'm writing this third book, like Lucia has become a lot more important in the fact that she's basically going through PTSD because a lot of traumatic stuff happened in the first two books, because it's suspense, it's mystery. And in some series, like, just, oh, the person almost dies, and there's explosions. Next book, they're fine. Everybody <laughs> yeah, almost yeah. dies, you know, got kidnapped. Next book, they're fine.
0: We deal with that a bit now, our, our series as well. Like, one of the characters, yeah, she basically goes through ptsd as well the others managed to kind of keep the heads above water a bit more but she had a lot of like other stuff before the books even started so she was like (laughs) downhill
2: (laughs) do you feel like you decided to do that or do you feel like the character decided to do that
0: i think the character did what do you think ashley yeah i think the character did too
2: (laughs) yeah i had i had this whole thing plotted out for lucia and it was just going to be this very procedural like here are the three suspects, here's the crime, here's what she's doing while Ezra's off in this other place. And she just rebelled every time I tried to write her scene. <laughs> like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And I finally realized, like, what have I put this woman through? Like,
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. She's just like, oh no, she needs a break. Poor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a vacation somewhere. <laughs> oh dear. So I'm wondering about how your publishing journey has been so far. Um, Have you self-published? Have you published traditionally? Or what's that looked like for you? And how have you found it?
2: So I have published traditionally. And it's, I don't even know. (laughs) We used to live in Manhattan, which is a college town in Kansas. And we helped this couple in our church and one of them wanted to be a writer. So I was giving her advice and I was like, you know, you should, you should study writing as much as you can and this and that. And she asked about self-publishing and I was like, no, you should not do that. Like you should do traditionally, even if it takes longer, because you'll have all these supports and she has self-published and she's, she's on like book 10 and they bought a house in like Colorado Springs just with the self-publishing money. So she's knocking it way out of the park and keeping like all the money that her books make. Meanwhile, I'm still teaching, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's, it it really, it's kind of one of those things where like you can be really successful if you like in self publishing, if you do it right and you, you know, you hit the Right. right marketplaces and, you are able to successfully market yourself but then like you know like there is a bit more like money to put into it to start with rather than traditional publishing where you know they'll pay for your cover and they'll pay for the editing and like all of that Mm -hmm. so it's always like a bit of just which pathway you want to go but yeah it's it's interesting see like we like hearing about the different pathways it's like really interesting when we do get traditional published authors on here so it's so how have you found like working with the traditional publishers have you found it like particularly restrictive or you have you enjoyed it learned a lot
2: i've really loved it because i've had a really great editor who edits in that genre she wrote in that genre and then she became an editor in the genre the mystery and suspense and Like my first book was not ready to publish when I sent it to her. So for the next year, she worked with me on getting into writing an association, working with a mentor. Uh, She gave me lots of books on craft that were specific to that publisher and to mystery genre, like particularly. Mm -hmm. So I think that working with a traditional publisher, I've been able to improve as a writer in ways that I would not have just on my own. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense?
0: Yeah. No, it definitely does. I think there's a lot of expertise and experience yes. that you get when you go through the traditional route. That you like, you can get there if you self-publish, but you have to like. It's a bit more like you know, blind leading the blind, trying to find <laughs> your way a bit more, <laughs> and yeah. you know, find those books and those resources yourself. Which you know, you can do. It's just, it's a little bit maybe a bit of a longer pathway versus having someone help you by giving you those resources, right?
2: Right. Yeah. And it's also helped me connect with a lot of other mystery writers. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: there's an imprint at my publisher, and it's just mystery and suspense. So we review each other's books, we like get blurbs for each other, like we connect and like retweet all that social media stuff. But also they've given me lots of ideas about how to promote a book, how to like, get on different services, like book funnel and all that. So it's just been a really great learning opportunity to just have this whole group of people. And we're all kind of invested in each other's success. And we're all kind of helping each other out. So that's been, that's been a really good, good thing. And just like, you know, I'm sure it's not uncommon, but I have a bit of a uh, imposter syndrome. So yeah, having a gatekeeper Everyone complains about the gatekeepers of publishing, but being able to get through one of them, I could just feel like, okay, I really wrote a book. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. A little bit of validation there. You're yeah. like, this helps go a little way to placate some of the imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. That
0: totally makes sense.
2: I can turn to people and be like, buy my book. It's a real book. Here you go. There it is.
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm legit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just curious. Like I know that there's a little bit of a misconception among uh, writers who do want to be traditionally published that the traditional publishers will market your book and do a lot of that work for you. I'm curious to how your experience has been in terms of marketing being joined to a traditional publisher because I feel like a lot of writers do put in – a lot of their own work and stuff, even if you're traditionally published.
2: No, that's a really good point. Like I went, I went down to my, I kind of moved all around very like Americana. So I went down to my high school in New Orleans, uh, which was a creative arts high school over spring break last year. And I sold them books. I like gave a book talk and I signed books for the students. And I was talking to my old uh, teacher there And she had a book come out of like, I think it was Penguin, might have been one of the other big five. And she didn't have to really do any promotions at all for her book. It wasn't a bestseller at that time, but it had steady sales just from that publisher. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're going with those big, big publishers like Penguin, Random House, they do a lot of promotions and try to get their authors out there in real ways but if you're with an indie publisher they're mostly doing online stuff and whether that's going to be successful or not who knows
0: Mm -hmm. you know does
2: anybody buy books off of twitter or instagram i have no idea
0: (laughs) i think people certainly would get ideas for books that they potentially Yeah. yeah like and you know follow a few links every now and then i think those platforms can be successful I've heard TikTok's really big at the moment, but...
2: Yeah, that's true. I haven't gotten on TikTok.
0: We're very uh, new to it. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, I don't understand what the heck is going on here, but I'll work it out eventually.
2: So what do you do on TikTok?
0: <laughs> Just post random videos about your books. <laughs> so far as okay. I can see, as I said, I'm very new to it. I notice, like I'm trying to like follow other authors to see what sort of stuff they're doing at the moment, but I haven't explored it very much, so... I'm sure our listeners could probably, if, if you have ideas on how to promote your books on TikTok, let us know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. we in
0: the dark on that.
2: Yeah, my students are on all sorts of TikTok and they're like, I'm on book TikTok. I'm on, I don't even know what they do, but they're on all these different types of TikTok. I'm like, so are there different versions of TikTok? They're like, no, it's the algorithm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, you have to like train it into giving okay. you the stuff that and like showing it to the people that you like the audience that you want it to be shown to i guess i see but how you do that is another question
2: (laughs) yeah that makes sense yeah yeah this friend of mine who self-publishes i think she i was talking to her husband who's an accountant and he says every time that she does a tiktok she gets a huge jump in her series but i'm not on tiktok so i don't know what what sort of things are on there
0: like I don't know what that means <laughs> yeah. It's like do
2: mystery place
0: <laughs> which it still is to to me as well to be honest <laughs> okay. okay would you like to tell us a bit about your Ezra James series it's very exciting
2: yeah so Ezra James is an FBI agent and he has bipolar but until right before the series starts he's sort of like been in denial about it felt the stigma about it and kind of been worried that it'll mess up his career if he is formally diagnosed. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So he puts it off and puts it off, gets married, is doing well. And then a case like a high profile case that he's working on does not work out well. He puts the wrong person in prison and the guy's there for like two years and then they realize that the evidence was faulty, the guy gets released, and he has a manic episode as a result. So it's sort of like the underlying condition, this traumatic incident. He does not handle it well, ends up like pulling a gun on his partner and his wife because he thinks they're having an affair. And the fallout is he's on probation, the wife is left, and he's working school security. So when we meet Ezra, he's kind of at the low point in his life. and his like motivation for that book is to solve this case that gets dropped in front of him so that he can kind of get back into the good graces, get off probation, get his wife back, restore everything back to normal. Mm-hmm. So that's one character. The character that he works with the most is the priest at the school. And that's uh, Remy Mbambo is an African priest. A lot of priests in America are not from America because we have this like gigantic priest shortage, I guess. So they're working together to try to solve this case. And because he's on probation, the detective from the city is working the case with them. And she is Lucia Vargas. And they kind of have this mutual attraction Ezra and Lucia, and so he's trying to process like his wife is gone, but he's still married and he's still fixated on making that relationship work and thinking, if I can just get back to normal, everything will be fine. And so he's got a lot riding on solving this case. And the case is at the school that they're working at, and so there's lots of stuff that comes up from side characters about things they don't want the school to know. It's a Catholic school, so there's lots of stuff you know that could get somebody fired or get looked at weird. So that was that was pretty fun to write about as well.
0: Sounds really interesting.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: I like the the setting you you give, and then also the the sound of like how you've set the conflict up, and like the the want the characters want to get back to normal. You know, like as the driving kind of force behind it and you know like everything's just like snow piled into this <laughs> <laughs> it's just sounds like quite a perfect storm to begin with i think yeah
1: i was <laughs> thinking the same thing you're like oh yes i can see how this you know is the plot for, for a mystery <laughs> novel and a good setup for yeah. a detective as well
0: yeah yeah i think it sounds great
2: i thought it would give me a lot to work on so by, by the end of book two, they're kind of, they're not back to normal, but they're at a new normal. And so then book, book two, we can delve into that, what that what that new normal is like. So it's been a really fun, I've, I've really enjoyed the characters. And wonderful thing about series, as y'all know, is that you get to stay with those characters and really <laughs> learn like so much about them and see them grow and change. My series is not an evergreen series, so a lot of police procedurals, mystery novels will be evergreen in that the character is essentially the same from book to book.
0: Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying now. I was like, what's an yeah. evergreen series, and then yeah. I <laughs> described it, and I was like, oh, okay, like gotcha, uh, okay. like a um, Lee Child kind of series with Jack Reacher, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I was just wondering as well. So one of your goals is to have sort of an accurate uh, representation of bipolar and other mental illnesses in the media. I'm curious as to how you find that, because, I mean, being a nurse myself, like I sort of know a little bit about it, but I also know from reading and other sources that oftentimes it's not accurately portrayed at all and you'll be like that's not even describing bipolar that's like (laughs) schizophrenia or um sometimes i think the other one commonly mistaken is like multiple personality disorder and you're just like no that's not what bipolar is so i'm curious if you have like any feedback from people who like either have bipolar or like other people who haven't maybe known what it is and what sort of feedback have you had around that
2: Yeah, I had a tour this summer, so I went to 10 libraries in Kansas, and I met writers and fans of mysteries, mostly. And then I had an event here at a brewery in Garden City, and at several events, people said, this is great, I'm bipolar, and I really appreciated seeing a bipolar character in your work. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. There was a show that came out about the CIA... It was like 10 years ago. Basically, this character's bipolar. And whenever she goes off her meds, she's able to solve these like ginormous, like international conspiracy things by connecting all these strings and not sleeping. And I was just it frustrated me very much to think like that these these authors and actors and directors or whatever were making bipolar into this like magic thing right you know Mm. there's so much like magical thinking involved in depictions of mental illness they're like oh this person's bipolar that means they can magically solve all of these like insane riddles or something but just when they're manic you know right (laughs) and they can be extremely creative but just when they're manic you know so don't take your meds Mm. you know yeah that seemed to be the I know that's not the message because they also show like negative sides, but that's just what I got out of it. Like if you're medicated, you won't.
0: Yeah, it it has a kind of thought behind it. Yeah, like you basically voice it there that if you're medicated, you can't be that creative. And it's like, no, right, right. Like that's not what you want to be showing because... You know like obviously if you're healthy and you're medicated and you're not manic and you're not depressed you're going to that's going to be reflected in your work I mean I know that for I mean neither Ashley or I have um, a mental illness but then you know like with COVID we're just starting to really get yeah. into editing one of the books that we wrote during COVID where we were quite isolated and There's a lot of, like, introspective writing in there that's, like, too much introspection. (laughs) And we're reading through and we're like, what is this? Like, it's very internal monologue-y and, like, it's very hard to edit. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like, if you're healthy in your mindset, like, I think that goes a long way to actually creating quality writing or, like, being creative in general, right?
2: Yeah, it's... It's frustrating to see, like, it's just frustrating to see that depiction. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I, like, one example that I like is, do y'all watch The Office at all? The show The Office? No,
0: I started almost watching it at one point, but yeah, we didn't, too many shows, basically.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Didn't continue. (laughs) There's so much good television. Um, But one of the characters is Stanley, and he has diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. And his life is just normal, like as a character, like he doesn't have any diabetic comas or like serious issues. Like you wouldn't know he has diabetes, except he mentions it a couple times because obviously he takes medicine. He stays on top of it. And I feel like there's not that many characters with mental illness where they're just like, oh, I wouldn't realize you had that. If the character has the mental illness. The writer just says, all right, what are the most dramatic things that could happen with this character? Yeah. They're bipolar. They're going to have the hugest manic episode. And while they're manic, they're going to knock out like 15 people and spend all their money. And just the temptation for a writer to go to the most dramatic thing is understandable. But when it's applied to mental illness, then every character that people experience outside of their real life is this blown up version of that mental <laughs> illness. Yeah. So when I've told people in my life and I don't tell everybody that I'm bipolar, when I do, they go, Oh, like really? I'm like, yes, I'm bipolar. And they're like, Oh, you must have the mild type. I'm like, Nope, I have the like, <laughs> severe type. And they're like, Oh, I would have never known I'm like, thank you medicine and mm-hmm. therapy, and all that stuff. So I know that a lot of dramatic stuff happens with, with Ezra at the beginning, but it's kind of off screen, you know? It's yeah. sort of like yeah. his origin story. Here's this thing that happened to him before before the book starts, and now during the book, he's just going to be a normal person. You
0: know, it's kind of like you know? what, what it looks like to live with it rather than, you know, this mental illness that like takes over the entire show and takes over the character right it's like the character needs to be the focus not the mental illness
2: yeah and like i follow a lot of like i'm not in any groups here in garden city for that but i do follow a lot of people on instagram and on twitter and social other social media stuff and i think that's the biggest gripe is like everybody's a little bit different you know if you have mental illness it doesn't mean oh here are the five major symptoms you have all of them all the time and you have them to the extreme like people are just still people but i think part of the problem and i'm trying to be more open with just people that i know in life now about it is there's so much stigma like with bipolar especially that you don't want to tell anybody so people only find out if there's a huge issue like you might actually know 20 people who are bipolar but the one that has a huge issue and like has to quit their job and, you know, move in with their parents, you're like, oh, that person is bipolar. That's what it looks like. Not like the person in the office next to me who just never told me. Yeah. So does that make sense?
0: That does 100% because, you know, you're you're just seeing like the tip of the iceberg instead of, yeah. you know, the amount of people who actually have it and live very normal lives
2: yeah so i'm i'm hoping to do that with with ezra and this new book i'm i like i said i'm going into the ptsd which like that's not like i don't have ptsd but i understand like the effect of trauma on a person Mm -hmm. so i i think with this new book i'm just having to do like y'all with your history Uh, historical novels i'm having to do more research Mm -hmm. and i'm very concerned about getting it right yeah so when you're writing about your own experience you can just you're full of inspiration you just put it on the page and you know this is accurate this is right but once you start to go into other people's experience you get a little more
1: want to be a bit more careful
2: yes yeah exactly
1: Um, While we're on the topic of your current work in progress, uh, do you have any books coming out soon? Slash, do you have an estimated publication date for this new one or anything else that you have going on?
2: Yes. So my first book came out back in August of last year. Book two is going to come out November 9th of this year. Oh, soon. And very soon. (laughs) (laughs) So it's called Rogue the Durham. Which is a farming term and it involves social media. It's a closed room mystery. There's a missing person and there's like a genocide involved. Oh, so hmm. yes, it's a lot yeah. of the... that sounds really cool, though. <laughs> it was really fun to write, and everybody who's read it so far has been very excited about it. Uh, they read my first book and they're like, That's really great. You wrote a book, this is really awesome. And with the second book, they're saying that's going to be a movie like that is just so I, I feel very confident. And it was it was a lot easier to write, as I may have said earlier, just that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Plotting was easy. I knew the characters so well. It was it just all came out kind of in a rush. So I'm very excited about it.
1: How exciting. And you said that was coming out in November, November 8th, November 9th,
0: 9th. No, November yeah. 9th. Eighth for Ashley. Eighth anyway, for me.
2: <laughs> you have a book coming out in the eighth.
0: No, 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 no. She's oh. a day because of being oh, the time zone in right. New Zealand. She's in the future.
2: That's great. Yeah, I have another writer at our publisher, and she's in Australia, and we were trying to do like a live podcast together, and I was trying to like. We could not figure it out. And just the date of it was just bizarre. <laughs> I was like, all right, Saturday my time, Friday your time. Like, what is this? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. I had like our recent one that we did and we had Ashley in New Zealand, me in Canada and then um, the UK. And it was like trying to sort of organize all those time zones. And then it was like 12 Like midnight for me or something, and I was like, "Hey, we're all on the same date." And to me, in my head, I was like, "Okay, that means that it's gonna be like Friday night." And then I realized that no, even though it's the like same day, it's still my Thursday night.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh!
0: I was like, "No, Sarah, just don't miss the interview." (laughs) So we have lots of fun with um with time zones.
2: Yeah, I. I feel like the, the era we're in with Zoom and everything happening, it's like reading a postmodern novel where you're like, <laughs> what perspective am I in? Like, what time is this? <laughs> yeah. What is happening?
0: Is this even real? Yeah, <laughs> that's so <sad. laughs> Okay. So is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered already or any tips you might have for other writers?
2: Well, I try to write every day. And I try to write, like I do the Ernest Hemingway rule, which is don't write more than two pages a day. That way you can't mess it up too much.
1: (laughs) I like that. That is
2: good. So I definitely, I'm the sort of writer who has to stop. Like I have to stop myself. And I just write in these like little notebooks. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so I write my two pages and I will stop in mid-sentence almost every day
0: i've heard that can be good stopping mid-sentence so you've got something to kind of come back to and start yeah. you off again
2: yeah. i like it and also sometimes i forget like where's the sentence going like when i come <laughs> back to the next time, like, that's the
0: issue that i have which is probably uh, why i don't do it so much because i can never remember my memory's like a goldfish sometimes um. <laughs> but in theory i think it would work for like a lot of people probably not me though <laughs>
2: it's good it's whatever works
0: (laughs) so where
1: can people find well your first book and I guess your second book when it comes out in November
2: yeah so the ebook is available at all the major ebook places so Amazon Barnes & Noble Kobo Google Play Apple Books the physical book is at all those places like that have physical books and like, you can buy it at Target online and just a bunch of places. I, like, I don't know if you all Google yourselves at all, but when the book first came out, I it sounds like, weird.
1: I know <laughs> what you mean, though. I very occasionally.
2: Yeah. So when the, the book first came out, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'd, like, Google myself. And usually I'd find, like, articles that I knew about or interviews that i'd done that i knew about but then like weird ebook sellers popped up in like foreign countries so i get really excited and like instagram it like you can buy my book online in norway and people are like but it's online like yeah but it's a norwegian site so
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it's norway
2: (laughs) it's norway i
0: feel like i did that um with our book to to start off with and it was like oh it's available on uk through like this (laughs) provider (laughs) it's like hey it's got it in stock so that was it's good fun googling your own book and (laughs) working out where it's available
2: (laughs) and it's just a little reminder to your followers you're like hey i know you already know about it but if you didn't buy it yet here's another way you can buy it so
1: Mm -hmm. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out?
2: Yep. So you can do my website. It's uh, com, And Instagram, just Google or type in there Stephen J. Colby or Facebook. I also have a newsletter. So I do that once a month. It's mostly about mystery writing and stuff that I'm doing that way. But I also talk about my personal life some. So I know that's kind of important. For people to see you as a real person, Louise Penny has a great anecdote. Have y'all read any Louise Penny? No, she, no. She's Sorry. a Canadian uh, mystery writer, and she was at her first like writing conference ever for when her first book was about to come out, and she was on a panel with other mystery writers. And one of the like veteran mystery writers, he was talking about getting to know your readers and putting yourself out there. And he said, "If people like you, they'll buy your book." And she said, "That doesn't make any sense. Like, they'll like you if you have a good book." And he just said, "Just stick around for a while, and you'll find out." And she has a newsletter like once a month, and she talks about her life. And uh, she says, "It's it's absolutely true. If people get to know you and they find out what you're interested in, what you're all about as a person, they just naturally gravitate toward." i'll buy their books because it'll be this kind of thing Mm -hmm. like i know the the book will fit with their personality and if i like their personality i'll probably like their characters and like the stuff they're interested in
0: this is true yes i never thought of it like that like you know the type of personality that you have obviously translates into your characters too yeah yeah Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. We've had a blast and it has been really great to talk to you about your Ezra James mystery series. Sounds so interesting. And if people want to read that, then it's very exciting that you've got another one coming out on November the 9th. So thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful.
0: So if you'd like to be on an author spotlight
1: section, just like Stephen has, you can head on over to our website to apply. It's lindesoncreations.com. Just hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you'll get a
0: link to apply. And next time on Dear Writer, we have another of our craft episodes where we are going to be tackling the topic of writing micro versus macro. So like zooming in on the details in the scene versus kind of like how to get from scene to scene maybe and the sort of macro version of writing so that should be really interesting
1: yes and if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects you can visit us at lindesoncreations.com or get in contact with us on facebook or instagram under the handle lindesoncreations
0: And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.